Hail and well met, everyone. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a podcast by a nerd for other nerds that love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather, and I'll be your host as we journey into the wondrous land of information. Hi, everyone. I hope you're all staying pretty cool with the heat that's going on. For those of you that are in warm areas like me, anyway, anyone who doesn't already know, a lot of California gets really hot during the summer. My husband and I just had to deal with a high 90s up in the hundreds a couple of days week, so I'm glad it's starting to cool down a little up here in Northern California. For anyone who has to deal with even higher temperatures, I'm so sorry and I hope your AC works really well. This week, I wanted to talk about a subject that you all by now, if you're listening to my shows regularly, know that I am very passionate about, which is animals, because I love animals. Specifically today, I want to talk about how to pick your pet, how to pick the right pet for you. So number one, very, very first thing that I think you should do when you're looking at getting a pet is figure out if you even have time for a pet. With very, very few exceptions, pets require time, and the amount of time varies depending on the kind of pet you get. For example, my husband and I, as you know by now again if you're listening, have cats and dogs, one of whom just jumped in my lap, so you may have heard the little tinkling bell going on. But with cats and dogs, you do need to spend time with them. They want attention. She's rubbing all over me right now because I'm not petting her enough. Um... You know, that's that's a common thing. And dogs especially, even more so than cats, they need to be walked unless you have a big enough yard for them to get enough exercise. And even if you have a big enough yard for them to get good exercise, you still need to interact with them. There's training, things like that. For pocket pets, things like mice and rats or hamsters, you don't necessarily have to spend quite as much time with them. But you still need to spend time with them, otherwise they're not going to be very handleable. They're not going to want you to pick them up. What you have to do is socialize them to it. When you get them, you have to hold them, you have to cuddle them, you have to touch them, play with them, let them get used to having you cleaning their cage, that kind of thing. Because if they're not used to human hands and being handled, then when they get older, they're not going to want you to pet them or hold them, which is a problem because... You know, especially if you're getting pets for your kids or if you are a child interested in a pet, if it doesn't want you to hold it, that's not fun. Like part part of having a pet is getting to interact with it, getting to have a connection with it. And if you can't hold it and physically interact with it, that's a lot harder. Um, some pets, things like snakes and lizards and frogs, frogs maybe not so much, but snakes and lizards, I know it's a very similar idea. You want to handle them. If you don't handle them enough, then by the time you go to try to do it, they're not going to want to interact with you. You know, they won't necessarily bite you or anything, but they're going to be skittish. They're going to be nervous. Some lizards, um, iguanas, for example, I had one when I was a kid, they can, I think most lizards actually can shed parts of their tail. And so, you know, if the If they're too nervous, if they feel threatened, you might even end up, in a way, causing damage to your pet because they will shed part of their tail to try and get away from you because they're so scared. That's not something that anyone wants to have to put their pet through. So number one thing is look at how much time you have to spend with this pet. Because if you don't have enough time to spend with the pet 
and actually interact with them and socialize them, then you maybe should consider getting something that doesn't require time. A good example, my husband and I also have fish. And the fish don't require quite as much time. They don't want you to handle them. You shouldn't handle your fish. That's a very bad idea. But you still have to have time at least once a week, at least once a week, to do some sort of cleaning on their tank. Now, a bigger tank doesn't have to be cleaned as often because there's more water, so things get diluted more. Smaller tanks, like the little classic round glass fish bowls that you see with the goldfish in them, like, you know, stereotypical TV fish bowl that's round and has the opening at the top, those ones have to be changed pretty regularly. I would say ideally every week minimum because they need fresh air into the water, but also because if you don't, the water is going to become very, very dirty and not healthy for the fish. So if that's not something that you think you have the time to do every week, then even a fish may not be the way to go for you. You know, there are some people who, because of time constraints, just don't own pets. And personally, that would make me very sad, but I happen to have the time to take care of them, and so does my husband. So between the two of us, we've got everything covered. So if you're thinking you want to get some kind of pet, number one is figure out what kind of time commitment can you give to that pet. If you're someone, you know, you and your spouse or significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever combination goes on in your house, if you are home every evening because you guys like to spend time at home and not go out, or if you were out all the time, then, you know, those could make big differences in terms of not only do you think you have time for a pet, but also which one's the right choice for you. Because if you're someone who's home all the time, then that gives you a lot more time to take care of them. Whereas if you're someone who's gone all the time, you might need something that's lower maintenance. Once you figure out what kind of time commitment you can give to a pet, because that's important because it's a living thing that needs you to care for it. So once you figure that out, you can then start looking at what kind of pet fits my needs that I would want to have. For example, someone who has very little time but wants a pet they can hold and cuddle with isn't going to want a fish. A fish might be a good one for them because they don't have as big a time commitment, but that's not what they want. They want something they can hold and cuddle with. So for them, they may need to look at other options. Um, Perfect example being that, you know, again, my husband and I have the time, so we have cats and dogs, but I do have friends who maybe have been more dog people historically, but realized I don't have the time commitment to give to a dog. I don't have time to take it on walks. My apartment's too small. I don't have space for it to run around. You know, these are all considerations that people have. And in some of those cases, people will then decide to get a cat instead. Because even though dogs may be their preferred, they still like cats. And cats are a little bit less of a time commitment than dogs. You still need to spend time with them. You shouldn't ignore them. They want attention, as evidenced by the fact that I just had one crawling all up in my lap. You probably heard the tinkling bell. Sorry about that. But they don't need to go on walks the way a dog does. Even an indoor cat, if you provide them with enough things to play with and enough things to jump and climb all over, they're still going to get exercise. And it's also something where, you know, playing with your cat could be five minutes of having them chase a wand toy around the house or, you know, uh, take a laser pointer 
not aim it at their face, obviously, but take a laser pointer. And, you know, while you're watching TV or getting dinner ready, you turn around and you run the laser up the wall and the cat chases it. That's a lot easier for people who don't have a lot of time to give to a pet. So for a lot of people, if you don't have a lot of time, but you want something that's going to be affectionate and cuddle with you and spend time with you, a cat is a really good option. I'll fully admit that I am very biased in this opinion because I love cats. There are other animals with a similar idea. Um, I know one of my really good friends from college, her younger sister actually has rabbits. And they were very good. They handled their rabbits a lot. They, you know, really socialized them well. They pet them. They played with them. So the rabbits are almost like a cat or dog. They follow her sister around the house. They're really affectionate. They want to play with her. You know, things like that. That's a perfect example of if you're not a cat person, if you're not a dog person, but you want something fluffy that will cuddle with you and be affectionate, you know, you can look at getting a rabbit. And I know other pocket pets, things like rats and mice, people also have good luck with. Again, it's very key that you socialize your pet. You can't get a pet and ignore it and then expect it to want to spend time with you. That's not how reality works. Unfortunately, there are some people out there who think that's how it should work. For them, what you may want to look at is getting a cat that is more standoffish. Something that will come to you when it wants to and leave you alone the rest of the time. They do exist. I've seen them in life. And for some people, that's the perfect pet because you can take care of it. It'll comfort to you for attention when it really wants it and then leave you alone the rest of the time. And that's enough for some people. And if that's the case for you, then go for it. Something like that may be perfect. You know, something that you can watch play. It'll, you know, mice, for example, they'll run around in their cage. They're cute. But, you know, some people want a pet that they can just look at. I would recommend if that's the case for you, you may want to look at fish because you can get a lot of different colors and different shapes and they're fun to watch because they swim around and they do stuff. So that might be an option. You could also look at getting some smaller lizards that are not meant to be necessarily carried around the house with you. Um, A good example is a green anole. They're these small little lizards. They're maybe the length of your hands, like maybe five inches if you include all of the tail. I had a bunch of these as a kid. They're not really meant to be carried around with you, but they're really cute. They're little tiny lizards. They're fun to watch. They eat crickets for the most part. We fed ours crickets. Um, One of ours actually had a a broken tail at one point, so my brother named it Hook because of course he did. And they're fun to watch. They're inexpensive. They're not super expensive to take care of, which is also good. And they don't require a huge time commitment. The main thing is, you know, feeding them, giving them water, and keeping their cage clean and occasionally misting it. That sort of thing. So something like that may be a perfect pet for someone who wants something they can just watch and clean the cage occasionally. I can't talk today clean the cage occasionally, but that they don't have to necessarily spend a lot of time with it. They just get to enjoy its beauty. Those are great. There are some pets out there that are like that. Again, do your research for what you are looking for and use that research to figure out what to get. Don't just assume that a certain type of animal is what you should get because your friend has one or because your friend told you, oh no, this is perfect for you. Actually look into it and figure out what you want to get because that's very important. I mentioned cost of the green anoles, so I'm going to go to my next thing that I recommend looking at before you get a pet, which is money. There's lots of different pets out there, and they have lots of different cost 
involved in owning one. For another perfect example, my husband and I have all these dogs and cats. I happen to work at a cat hospital. So I have access to cat medical care very easily. The cost we have to pay for them primarily are food. I They do get vaccines and things, so of course we have to pay for that. And then for the dogs, we take them to a veterinarian that's near us that sees dogs and cats that we really like. In those situations, though, we are looking over the course of a year in terms of medical care, just the vaccines and exams and stuff, you know, several hundred dollars a year. And that's assuming that they don't have any injuries. And that's before the food. If you include food, you know, it's even more than that. And then if we go out of town, we have to either board the animals somewhere. We have a facility we send the dogs to that they've been going to since they were puppies. And then the cats actually stay at home and one of my old co-workers comes and pet sits for me. Pet sitters, I will say, are a great resource for someone who wants to go out of town but really hates the idea of having to make their cat go somewhere. I know my parents have used some of the neighborhood teenagers that they're, you know, that they have a connection with that they talk to, um, to great effect for that. You know, especially if your cat's not on medications, having a, a teenager that you know and trust that's local, you know, maybe the next door neighbor because their parents are right there in case there's a problem. So it's very handy. That sort of situation is, you know, easy to find somebody usually. Another nice thing about pet sitters is that they are quite often, though not always, less expensive than actually boarding your cat somewhere. There are situations where I do recommend boarding and not using a pet sitter, specifically if your cat has any big medical concerns or is a lot older and less stable for any reason, then talking to your veterinarian about possibly boarding the cat there might be a good idea because if something happens... They're at the vet. They are literally at the hospital staying there. So they've got immediate access to help. It's a good way to go. But cost is a big thing. We have to pay to board the dogs whenever we go out of town and pay my old coworker to come over and take care of the cats. Now, my coworker's awesome and gives me a little bit of a price break because we're friends and, you know, we give her gifts and stuff as a thank you for doing that. But then the boarding facilities, you know, you could be looking at a couple hundred dollars to board two dogs for a week. And that's a cost you have to consider when you're looking at pets. Pocket pets, little things that are in cages, rabbits and mice and rats and things like that, don't necessarily need to go to a boarding facility. Those are ones where, you know, if you have a good friend that's willing to come over and take care of it, you know, they can just give them a key. They'll come over and feed it and you're done. Uh, similarly, fish relatively easy fish especially are easy when you go out of town depending on the setup you have because they have little feeders that you can drop into the tank and the fish can just eat off of it for several days it's important to read those carefully though because how many days each feeder will feed for is based off of a gallon size of the tank so you want to make sure you get the right ones and put enough in especially if that's all they're getting so that's another consideration is the cost, because if you know you're not going to be able to afford a couple hundred dollars a year to take care of the pet, then you may want to consider either holding off or not getting that particular type of pet. Cats and dogs are a good example because they are, even though they're awesome, they're some of the more expensive house pets that you can have because there's the vaccines, there's the food, there's the care, there's boarding, you know, all those things I've already listed all of that wrapped up together is a cost that you have to consider when you're getting a pet. 
you also should consider medical care in terms of emergencies. I know firsthand that there are a lot of people out there who can afford their pet on a day-to-day -day basis and take fantastic care of them, but then if something happens and that animal is sick, not everyone has a couple thousand dollars sitting off in a bank account somewhere that they can afford to spend on the cat or dog if they get injured. So if you are concerned about that and want to make sure that you can afford an emergency surgery or emergency 24-hour care at a veterinary hospital, if something happens, then I would recommend that at least with cats and dogs, because those are the prices I'm most familiar with, have a couple thousand dollars in a saving account that's just for the cats and dogs. Don't use it for anything else or just put it in your savings and leave it as a buffer. Don't touch it. You know, whatever you're going to do and emergencies happen. Maybe you'd have to dip into it for something else even, but that way you've got some money set aside. Another thing you can look at is pet insurance. I talked about that in a previous episode, so I'm not going to go into it too much here, but that is another good resource you can look at. Okay, so I'm going to go into our break talk about some of the awesome Nerdsmith stuff we have going on. And then when I come back, I'm going to go into uh, different pets that I have experience with specifically, because obviously those are the ones I can talk about with some credibility. And I'm going to give you examples of situations and setups and things like that that can help you figure out which one's best for you, as well as some tips for how to pick or how to go about getting a dog or cat, because those are what I'm most familiar with. Okay, everyone, so for this week's little mid-roll section, I wanted to keep it pretty short and sweet. There's two things I want to touch on. One is that I am aware that I am one of the family-friendly shows on our network, on Nerdsmith. And we have quite a few that aren't, and that's that's okay. I like those shows. I'm part of a couple of them. So that's just the way it goes. But in case someone here is listening and wants to look into other Nerdsmith shows that are family-friendly, I just wanted to give you a quick list of the other shows that you could consider checking out. One nice thing is if you go to our website, nerdsmith.org, and go to the content page, we do have some filters available on that page, and one of the filters actually is family-friendly. So first off, you could go there and just look at the other shows that are available. But the other shows besides myself here at Geek Thyself that are family-friendly are Crosswords with Will Crosswaite, where he teaches you some tips and tricks for how to play a bard at the D&D table. Dear DM with Joe Collins, where he interviews a new DM every episode and finds out some of their tips and tricks for how to run a good game. He's interviewed people like Matt Mercer, for anyone who watches Critical Role, as well as Keith Baker, who created the Eberron setting. So lots of good content there. The other shows are Dungeon Maestro by Aiden Chan. Anyone who's a Critical Role fan will know him. He's made a lot of awesome theme songs for some of the different characters and different arcs. Definitely recommend checking him out. It's Aiden, A-I-D-E-N, and then Chan. Hopefully everyone can spell that. And then Threads in the Veil is the last show. That is the one that I've mentioned before, which is the sister show to Shenanigans, the actual play podcast that I'm a part of. Threads in the Veil is family-friendly, 
and Angela, who wrote the script and is continuing to write the script, is planning to keep it that way. So you should be good to go with that one. And it'll kind of touch on some of the stuff that happens in Shenanigans, but is definitely going to involve less cursing. Because I'm not going to lie, when we're at the D&D table, all of us Shenanigans, you know, we, we let fly occasionally. It happens. So that's not the family-friendly show for you if that's what you're looking for. The second thing I want to touch on, and I've touched on it a couple of times, I think, in the last couple weeks, but it's really true, is please, please don't forget to go review us. Even if you don't want to write a review, if you just click on the stars, we still appreciate it. We love hearing back from you, hearing feedback. It's really the reviews and, you know, just word of mouth. You telling friends, I love this show, this is a good episode, you should listen, that kind of thing. We really, really appreciate that, and that is really the main advertising we do. It's how we get the word out. So, we appreciate any of that and all of that. We're on iTunes, we're on Google Play, we're, you know, everywhere that podcasts are available. And then, oh, I forgot to mention Dungeon Maestro and Crosswords are actually YouTube videos, but you can get to them from our website if you don't want to have to search them on YouTube. So with that, I'm going to go back into this week's topic and we're going to find out more about how to pick the right pet for you. Okay, welcome back. I thought that was going to be shorter, but I think it might have ended up just as long as any of them ever are. So sorry about that. But to get back to topic, so how to pick the right pet for you is a big question. And I've already gone over some of the things that I recommend you consider before you even get to the actual picking out of a pet part. Now, once you get to the actual picking out of a pet part, I want to start off with just saying I am a huge, huge, huge supporter of adopt don't shop what this means for anyone who has not heard this phrase before it means get a pet from a rescue get a pet from the spca don't go to a breeder don't go buy one somewhere necessarily now there are some pets where this doesn't work for example fish as far as i know there's not really a lot of fish rescues out there that you could go to Maybe you could find one for like koi fish because those can be more expensive. So I could see someone doing it there. But you know, your average goldfish or tetra, eh, you're probably not going to find a rescue. So in those situations, yeah, go to the store. Similarly, uh, for lizards and or pocket pets, things like mice and rats, it can be harder to find any kind of a rescue. So you may end up having to go to the store for those. However, I do recommend checking because I have seen reptile rescues online. And I do know for a fact that the SPCA in particular does get reptiles and pocket pets. It's not just cats and dogs. That's what most people know them for, obviously, but they also get birds. I've seen snakes at the SPCA. I've seen rabbits at the SPCA. I've seen roosters at the SPCA, like actual roosters and chickens. So it's definitely something where you can find other kinds of animals if a cat or dog is not exactly what you want. So I recommend checking those out first because if you can save a pet's life, either through the rescue or, you know, especially with the SPCA, obviously it's unfortunate, but at a certain point they do sometimes have to let these animals go because they, they have to help as many as they can and they're limited in terms of funds and space and that's just the way it is. So if you have a local shelter... I recommend checking it out. Find out what they have. Go rescue a pet. 
Uh, personal experience has been that in general, I think rescued pets, when especially when you're taking them from a bad situation, are often, I'm anthropomorphizing a little bit, but I feel like they are very appreciative. All of the animals that Mike and I, my husband and I have, are rescues. The exception is the fish, again, pet store. But both of the dogs came from a rescue. All three of the cats I rescued through work. So I do recommend rescuing and not buying a pet. That being said, a couple of things you want to look for are temperament. That's a big one because if you want a cat that's really friendly and cuddly or if you want a dog that's really friendly and cuddly, then especially with dogs, I would recommend look at the breed, look up information on the breeds of dogs because even though there's exceptions, in general, the breed standard information can give you a lot of info in terms of what kind of personality your dog might have. There are certain breeds that are more pack-oriented, which means if you want a family-friendly dog, that might be a better one to go. Labradors are a great example. Super friendly, they are pack-oriented, they love the pack, they love their people, and other dogs aren't always that way. So that's one thing to consider. Big one is temperament. Another one is care in terms of breed, especially for cats and dogs, because for example, Mike and I have two long-haired cats and one short-haired cat. The short-haired cat, we don't have to brush it all, it's easy peasy. The longer-haired cats do require some maintenance. So if that's a factor for you that you don't wanna have to deal with, then looking at getting a breed that doesn't require that kind of grooming maintenance may be something you want to consider. I also would recommend looking up personality, the stereotypical personality of some of these breeds. For example, we have a husky mix. We knew husky mixes could be kind of ornery and, you know, a little bit like, I'm not going to do what you told me to, mom, sort of situation. So we get, we knew that going in. He does do that occasionally. He will talk back if he doesn't like what we're doing. If we're scolding him, sometimes he'll kind of roo, roo, roo at us to say, I don't want to listen to you, which is cute, actually. We think it's funny, but not everyone wants to deal with that. And we didn't do enough research into how much they like to jump and escape. So that was something we had to deal with a few times. And so perfect example there from my own real life look into those kinds of things so that you have a good idea of what you're getting into when you go to look at the pet. Another thing I recommend looking into is overall health of the pet. In most cases, animals that are left at shelters or with rescues, at least from what I've seen, the majority of the time they are healthy. It's just that something happened and the owner couldn't care for them or maybe it was a stray that someone found and they already had three dogs so they couldn't really take on another one. Those kinds of things happen very, very often. In some cases, there are situations where, especially with rescues, not necessarily as much with the SPCA, where the pet may have a medical issue that requires care. And that is something you should look into before deciding you want to take that cat or dog home because that could make or break whether or not they're a good pet for you to have. They're the right one for you. For instance, an animal that needs insulin injections because it's diabetic, for me, no problem, whatever. I do them all the time at work. It's no big deal. Injections are easy for me because I've got 12 years of experience doing it. But for someone else, especially if needles are not your thing, that may be a huge red flag of, I really like this animal, it's got a great personality and it's super affectionate, but I can't handle doing those injections. Those are situations where, you know, if you're willing to try, you could try working with the rescue and see if they'll help you. I know there actually is a diabetic cat 
rescue called Diabetic Cats in Need. So if you are someone who actually likes the idea of taking that on to try to help them, I would recommend contacting them. They could always use more volunteers and funding. So anything you could do to support them would be great. Again, that's Diabetic Cats in Need. You can find them online. And that's something to consider as medical concerns, because if the pet has them, it may not may or may not be the right one for you. Beyond temperament, personality, well, temperament and personality are kind of the same thing, but beyond those and medical concerns, I also recommend considering age of the pet, especially where cats and dogs are concerned. Please, please consider age of the pet that you are adopting. A lot of people want to get small kittens and puppies because they're cute and they're tiny and they're babies and they're adorable. The problem is not everyone actually is equipped to handle puppies and kittens. They are much higher energy. They get into everything. Literally, they will get into everything. They are much more rambunctious. They're going to knock things over, potentially. Puppies might chew on something. Kittens might claw something because they're still figuring out what's okay to claw and what's not. These are all things that you have to deal with with baby animals that you don't have to deal with with an adult animal. So especially for any first-time pet owners, anyone who's maybe never had a pet on their own when it wasn't with their family as a kid, consider that very heavily when you're looking at what kind, what age range of pet you want to get. Because if you don't have the time to basically go through and baby-proof your house, a kitten or puppy may not be the best option for you because you pretty much have to baby-proof your house. You know, you need to keep an eye out for wires because some puppies and kittens will chew them, which might just mean you get a new charger or it could mean they're going to get electrocuted. These are problems you have to consider. So if you have a situation where that's a big problem and you don't think you could really make the house safe or keep them in a safe space in the house, then you may want to consider getting an older cat or dog. Not necessarily a senior cat or dog, but just older. Maybe one that's already a year or two old. So they're still young. They have lots of life left in their, you know, typical lifespan. But they're old enough that they're not going to be the crazy, rambunctious, getting into everything nutso that you could deal with with a puppy or kitten. Because that's a that's a big thing. There are a lot of people, and you hear about it on TV and stuff all the time, but it really does happen. There are people who get puppies, get kittens, they're, or um, Easter. People get little baby bunnies at Easter. You know, things like that. They're adorable and they're tiny and they're cute. And then they grow up. And when they grow up, People don't always have the space and the time and the equipment needed to then take care of this grown-up animal. Or in some cases, they get this puppy or kitten and they don't realize how much of a time commitment it's going to be in terms of making sure it's not getting into things. You know, exactly what I just talked about. Consider time commitment before you get an animal. It's a big, big thing. It's really sad that the shelter's if you look at most shelter statistics or talk to people who work at shelters, it really does happen where, you know, after big holidays, things like, you know, after Easter, suddenly a lot of the shelters and rescues get more bunnies. Or after Christmas and things like that, you know, give it a couple months and then people start getting, you know, young-ish kittens and cats, you know, kittens that might be six months old or something, or maybe a year. But just it's something where it outgrew what people were expecting. 
in terms of commitment and space needs. Puppies especially, this can happen because, you know, oh, it's a cute tiny puppy. And, you know, you didn't do the research you needed to into the breed and suddenly this cute tiny puppy is a 60-pound dog that you don't have the space for or that you don't have time to take running and to the park and get exercise things like that. You know, a 60-pound dog in an apartment, you have to have the time to take it somewhere to exercise or it's going to go crazy and start destroying things. Or at least go start going crazy and getting into stuff and becoming rambunctious or acting out. Like, something could potentially happen because it's literally trapped inside this small space with nowhere to run around. These are things you have to think about very heavily. So, Puppy versus adult dog, kitten versus adult cat, any kind of baby animal versus the adult. I really recommend looking at what the differences are as they get older in terms of time can time needs, as well as, you know, do I have the space for it once it gets bigger? Because it might be a tiny little cute five pound puppy now, but as it's growing, you know, that five pound puppy becomes my big 80 pound husky mix and hound mix. You have to keep that in mind when you're looking at these things. So I threw a lot of information at you guys today. It ran a little bit long. Sorry about that. Uh, for anyone who's picking out a pet for the first time, like I said, I would recommend looking into all of this information. And if you already have a pretty good idea of a certain species, be it cat, dog, bunny, mouse, bird, whatever, that you think you want to get, then I would look again, like I said, heavily into that specific animal. Do your research, find out what you're getting into, find out about medical costs, if that's if money is a concern that you have for it, find out about time commitment. And honestly, one thing that I touched on, but I really want to stress is for anyone who doesn't think they can take this pet with them everywhere, or for anyone who does travel at all, really, really look at how am I going to take care of this animal when I'm not home? Can I take it with me to my parents' house for Christmas? Will will that work? Can I have one of my neighbors take care of it? Is one of my coworkers a huge fan of this type of animal? So they would totally watch it for me for a weekend. You need to consider that when you're getting a pet. Because if you don't, you end up in a situation where you've either cornered yourself into never going anywhere, which is not fun. That's not ideal. That's not the way most people want to live their life. Even introverts want to go out and do things occasionally. And then the other thing is you don't want to be caught in a situation where your pet is left alone for three or four days at a time maybe with just a bowl full of food, because then they're not getting interaction. They're not getting to spend time with anyone, even if it's five or ten minutes of someone coming over and putting food in the bowl and giving them some attention. That's still more than just being alone for three or four days. Plus, you know, what if something, don't want this to happen, but what if something happens to you? What if you get in a car accident or something and you have to go to the hospital and now suddenly you're three days gone for your cat becomes two weeks. You need to have some sort of plan in place or at least think about getting a plan in place, talk to friends, talk to family before you make the commitment to another living creature because that living creature is going to be dependent on you. They can't go to the grocery store and get themselves food. They can't change their own litter box. They can't let themselves outside to go to the bathroom unless you have puppy doors, but that's a different thing. 
They can't, you know, change their own water in the tank. They can't do any of these things. So if you don't have a way to get it done for them, if something happens and you're not home, that's another consideration in terms of should I or shouldn't I get the pet. So with that, I'm going to close this off. I hope this was good information for you all. A lot of you probably already know some of these tips and tricks or have experience with it, but it is something that I feel strongly about, so I wanted to make it an episode. And before this runs any longer, I'm going to say goodbye, and I will see you guys next week. Or, well, not see you, but I'll talk to you next week. Please remember to check out the other wonderful podcasts and productions here at nerdsmith.org. I'll be back next week with a new and interesting topic, and until then... Don't forget to geek thyself. Crosswords with Will Crosswaite. Advice and analysis for the musician at the gaming table. Available on nerdsmith.org or wherever you watch your YouTube videos. YouTube, right? Probably YouTube.